0: Good afternoon, uh, let's go ahead, um, it's true, let's go ahead and turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 5, dub's already there, <laughs> let's pray one more time and then we'll, uh, we'll get started. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you uh, for your many blessings. We thank you, Lord, that this teaching and preaching is not of us, but it is of you. And so, Lord, we ask that your spirit would be with us this day. Your spirit would be upon me. Your spirit would be upon Landon as he preaches and fills in on short notice, Lord, that this would truly be a day in which your name is magnified, in which you show forth uh, your glory, that it is truly not of men, but of you. And so, Father, as we go through and learn more about uh, the disposition of meekness, Father, would this be something you truly work in us uh, for the glory of your name? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so what have we looked at here the last couple weeks? Um, Really, the past two weeks, we have looked at this aspect in which there are these spiritual uh, virtues, these spiritual virtues. Um, changes that take place in which somebody recognizes their true condition, right? Namely, poor in spirit. And then, having seen that true condition, they then are sorrowful with a godly sorrow over that condition. So it's not merely seeing that condition and staying in that condition or maybe being indifferent about that condition, but they're truly sorrowful. And so what we see is that these beatitudes have built one upon the other. Poor in spirit leads to sorrow, sorrow, that then leads to meekness. And what we must understand is that really, hopefully what we're seeing is that these first three and even the next beatitude are representative of heart exercises that are done within us by the Spirit. There's a view of our recognition of who we are before God, our standing before Him, our communion with Him, and, and then what we'll see in the shift in the final four is truly an outward focus that then leads from that with, uh, with uh, mercy and being pure in heart and being peacemakers, right? Um, but what we have before us today is this aspect of meekness. Um, and it must probably be noted that while there's an inward change that is taking place within us, Even meekness, really even the first three, while they're primarily inward, there's still an outward aspect to them that we'll get into. Um, And it has to be this way, right? Um, There's got to be an inward change. It's not this outward conformity. It's not being whitewashed tombs, right, full of dead men's bones. But the Lord works these things inwardly within us. And then they go outward to how we live. So, what is meekness? Um, how are we to understand it? You guys have any, any thoughts on that? Get rid of pride. Humility is certainly an aspect of it, right? Um, meekness is often looked at, right? Like it's a hard word to describe, to define. Um, if somebody says like, what is humility? Oh, we would be like, oh, well, it's this, this, and this, right? If somebody says, oh, what is, um, you know, being forgiving? Oh, this, this, and this. When somebody's like, what is meekness? Sometimes we're like, well, it's, it's humility and it's, you know. Um, so it's definitely something that's been challenging to define. And I think that's likely the case because it's so foreign to us. Um, and what I hope to show is we kind of work through this, what we see meekness, um, how we see it outlined in Scripture from examples, uh, different aspects from Scripture of how we are to have this disposition about ourselves. Uh, but when we think about our nature, right? So I've started off each of these and saying, okay, what is this, right? And the first point I generally say is that it's countercultural, right? And and this is truly the case. It's not only countercultural, but it's our our nature before coming to Christ. Um, or it's it 's we have an opposite nature of meekness prior to coming to Christ, right what is our natural disposition prideful that 's right right boasting right kind of putting ourselves to the forefront and that 's what the world says we must do in order to be successful in order to have happiness in this life there 's a self sufficiency there 's a a being a self-promoter, being aggressive if we truly want to get anywhere in this life. Um, in one sense, we must be willing to step on or step over anything in our way um, to get to where we want to be. Um, you must assert yourself even at the expense of others is often what we see in the world. But this this idea of meekness is truly counter-cultural. Uh, it's counter the 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 nature that we had prior to Christ. Uh, Christ says, no, if you want to inherit the earth, if you want to dwell in Zion, if you want true blessedness, then be meek. So what is the nature of this meekness? Well, what we're essentially looking at and we'll be describing is a complete change to our disposition, right? So it's meekness is a, it, it's, it's an act in some sort, but it primarily is who we are at the core, what makes up the core of our being. Uh, it's one in which we go from a disposition of pride and boastfulness and aggressiveness and making sure people know who we are and doing whatever we can to get to where we want to be um, to then not exalting ourselves. And in a sense, we're willing to give up what we could rightly lay claim to for the sake of others. Did you have a That's right. We can have a right to do something, but for the sake of others, we put that right aside. Did you have Yeah, that's always I've always thought of meekness as like power restraint. Mm. Wrestling with like a father wrestling with his child, though he has the power to, you know, win, just he he lets him. You know, win. Yeah, I don't really do that. If we're playing a game you know <laughs> i was just thinking of on um, philippians 2:3 mm-hmm. do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit but in humility count others more significant than yourself mm-hmm. that's right and so what we've seen what i want to kind of break down and i think it's important is for the the greek word is praus um or a uh, prae prautais Um, And what is conveyed in this word is not being overly impressed with a sense of one's self-importance, being gentle, uh, being humble, um, considerate, or then meek. And the reason I bring this out is because I think it's important to to understand that what we'll see in Scripture, as a matter of fact, if we look at verse 5, it says, Blessed are the gentle." for they shall inherit the earth in the NASB. Whereas other translations such as ESV and so forth say blessed are the meek. And so what we often see is that humility or gentleness is used in the place of meekness. And this was a struggle for me because as I'm looking, saying, well, it says gentle, and then some versions say meek, and then how do we know like which to go with? Because to be honest, the NASB doesn't actually like use the word meek like all that often versus let's say like the ESV. So ultimately um, it comes down to context. Um, I was trying to figure out I texted Amelia and said okay how do I know like when to switch out like you know meekness when meekness applies here versus gentleness versus humility and he said really it's the context so I was like, okay, can you give me a little bit more than like the context? Um, <laughs> and he said, really what you want to look at is, are you doing an action, or is it describing a disposition? So what we see here is, blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. And I don't think what is being described here is mere gentleness, a mere state of being gentle. But it's truly talking about a, a disposition within ourselves in which we are meek. Um, and so it's it's not a, an incorrect translation. It really comes down to context. I mean, obviously the translators, you know, went with what they deemed to be a proper um, understanding. But we see in the different versions, especially ESV, you'll see meek used more often than even in the NASB. And so, what are the components? I think that you know, when, hopefully, this will help break it down. Um, when I think of the components of meekness, I, I think of what was said already. There's humility. And then what else? Submissiveness. submissiveness? Yes, submissiveness is in there as well. I'm trying to figure out where to place it because it wasn't actually my heading. But actually, I think that it's going to be under probably a contentment. So that's that's another aspect of this. But I'd say what? We already said it. Gentleness, right? So lowliness, I think, would fall under humility, right? There's this lowly mindset, this lowly attitude and how we approach people. Um, I have uh, patience, um, forgiveness, or a forgiving um, one who's like ready and willing to forgive. And then, um, I guess the fifth one would be that aspect of contentment. So I want to walk through uh, each of these, because if you say, oh, well, meekness is, well, it's just being humble. Well, no, 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 that's humility, right? Being humble is humility. If you say, oh, it's be gentle, it's just, no, 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 that's being gentle, right? Or, or showing forth gentleness. And so what we have to understand is that uh, this is not formulaic, obviously, it's something that we do, but meekness carries with it an aspect of all of these components, I believe. And if you were to break it down further, I think if you look at like here, from here to here, really because these are the two words that you see often switched out for meekness. So I'd say almost like these are like primary, if you will, versus then maybe secondary components. And they're not always necessarily gonna be present, um, in every like you know all the same um, amount, if you will. Uh, so the way that I kind of I, I have a drawing that I was gonna do here. Um, it's not gonna be good, but it's it's like it, it's almost like a flower, okay? Um, where, if you will, this is you know humility and gentleness, uh, contentment, uh, patience, and forgiveness, and then in the center, meekness, if you were to think of it this way. So all of these overlap and form meekness. And then, you know, if you want to stem. But that's the idea there, is that it takes all of these, but not necessarily all in the same amount. It's not the same equal parts necessarily. So that's how I would... um, kind of outline. It's not a great picture, but hopefully at least imagery-wise it kind of puts it together. So as far as humility, what are we talking about when we look at each of these areas to get a breakdown then? Because it's, it's not enough to just say, oh, it's humility, it's gentleness, it's patience, it's forgiveness, right? But let's get an idea of how does this break out then? How does meekness show itself forth? So we said a couple of these already, right? It's uh, not proud, right? Um, we'll carry that down. Not boastful. What else? It's not what? Rebellious. Not rebellious. Yeah, this, there's an aspect in which, right, in a lowly spirit, you're submitting yourself um, in this way, maybe to others. Uh, your, what you want to others. And out here, we'll see there's a submitting yourself to God and his will. Okay? Okay. Um, I have here. Um, it's not needing to have, you know, no recognition. Uh, what I mean by that is, it's not putting yourself forth. You have to get the honor. You have to get the recognition. But rather, like Paul, how does he view himself? He's the least. He says he's the chief of sinners. That's how he viewed himself. That's right, and we will be getting there as far as examples to look at and to consider. Because that's that's strange, right? Because we're going to actually look at his life and see this change that took place. How about gentleness? What is gentleness? What is a fruit of the Spirit? That's true. But how would you describe it? Tender. Tender's a good word. Um, tender Soft, yeah, kind, right? If you look at the King James Version and their uh, Fruit of the Spirit, they use kind and gentle interchangeably, and then they actually have meekness listed for the, gentle, the, the Greek word that would be for gentle. So you certainly see an aspect of tenderness, softness, kindness, uh, that would indicate, right, how is the tone with which we interact with each other to be? Anybody? What a, gentle but soft, right? There's a tenderness. There's an understanding. And especially we see this in Galatians 6 1. If we want to turn over there real quick, somebody want to read Galatians 6 1? You got that? Thanks. Mm-hmm. This is key, right? Because it uses the word gentleness. But I actually like the idea of spirit of meekness. That as a result of our disposition, when we go to somebody to correct them, when we go to somebody to to to, to rebuke them, we're looking to ourselves. Why? Because we know our true state, that we are fallen just like they are. We understand that we are we could succumb to the same things, And so we're not to go in a spirit of pride or a spirit of holding it over them or a spirit of making ourselves look better than them when we go to them and confront them. It's with a spirit of humility. It's with a spirit of gentleness. It's gonna be a patient spirit so you're not easily provoked. You're gonna be willing to forgive if it's against you, right? And even in how they treat you, there's gonna be contentment because you're gonna look at that as how the Lord brought that into your life for your sanctification, So that's kind of how that breaks down: is gentleness and correction, but it's not just being gentle; it's not just okay, be soft, but it's even be humble in how you approach them, looking to yourself, lest you too uh, be so that you too will not be tempted. There's this picture, right, of a a cartoon: the one man has a giant in a log. Hmm. Mm. but it's so easy when we see sin in somebody else. How could it? Yeah. Or I'm better, and I think our turn is earlier you know, mm. his fall. Well, you know, when we hear each other going, how could that happen? Like, how, how does somebody get there? But the truth is, is if it's not by the grace of God. I mean, yeah. We all could. Mm-hmm. You know, we really, genuinely could. It truly is, a, it, it is truly God's favor upon our life that we don't go that route, and even that we worship the one true God. If you read in Jeremiah, we had gone through it this morning, day behind, but um, we went through it this morning, and it talks about how like he's going to allow them to worship these other gods because he's removed his favor. Um, This aspect of us not falling like that has nothing to do with ourselves, because if we were left to ourselves, we would. And so we're just go in a spirit of meekness, recognizing our true condition, recognizing that we are that much different than them. How about patience? How does this play into meekness? That's that's a big part of it, right? That's what this is, is you're not easily offended, right? not easily offended you're not quarrelsome right I know I I apologize for the writing last week was a lot better Um, there's a slowness to anger or there's a controlled spirit and here's what we what's that that's right. That's essentially an aspect of it, right? Of, of being able to control ourselves so that when we're set upon by hearing somebody say something or somebody does something to us, we're not easily. So, for example, I'm sitting outside, the girls are playing, and this car comes flying down our cul-de-sac at, I don't know, 25, 30 miles an hour. It's not that big of a cul-de-sac. Well, my girls are outside. And they go and they pull into the driveway across, right? And you're sitting there. And inside, what happens? You're, you're riled up. You're ready to go over there and let them know. Like, you do that again, we're going to have problems, right? <laughs> like, um, in, in some sense, right? As a parent, you could say that, right? But it's like, I thought about it. Then I'm walking to my car to leave the next morning to go to work. I think it was actually Friday morning. And I'm thinking, man, if I would have done that, imagine the shame that that would have brought to the name of Christ. Not only with them, but with those that live in that area, then that may have heard or saw that. Because then I'm still responsible to go and to make things right with them. And they're because they're of the they're not necessarily going to understand like where you're coming from. And you know what I mean? Even though there's reconciliation from your perspective, there may not necessarily be like full, complete reconciliation. So what we read is this in Proverbs 16, 32. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who captures a city. So think of the imagery that we see here. There's great honor and praise and recognition that goes with somebody who captures a city, especially back in... During that time, it was like, you're the man, right? But what is better than that? That's right. Imagine that. Like, what is better than that is you keeping your own spirit under control. Conversely, Proverbs twenty-five twenty-eight: like a city that is broken into and without walls is a man who has no control over his spirit. So you see a compare and contrast there between one who controls himself being better than one who captures a city and then almost another one. It's like anything that comes in on him, he's unprotected. There's no walls and he's got no control over his spirit. How about forgiveness? Forgiveness is key because it's not merely a bearing up under the wrong while at the same time then seething under your breath at that person because of the wrong that they've committed against you. There's a willingness and a readiness to forgive, right? So um, I think there's the willingness aspect that if they come, you're going to do it, and you're also ready. You're. It's almost like you're waiting. In some sense, um, it's as if, you kind of put them in a better light. You're like thinking, surely they didn't mean it that way. Surely they didn't mean, you know, to put me in the bad light. And so it's almost like you're giving them the benefit of the doubt. There's not a holding a grudge. There's not a revengeful spirit that you want to seek to avenge yourself. And we'll see this in some of these examples that we go through. How about contentment? The one who is meek is content with the provisions of God. Even in the case of somebody coming and offending you, knowing that the Lord allowed that to happen, send to them for potentially what they've said or done, but an opportunity for you to be conformed more to his image. So you're content with those things that he brings. There's, there's not a, a contending against God a grumbling against the Lord like the Israelites did in the wilderness. But like Paul, that in whatever circumstances, you're content, whether you're abounding with prosperity or whether you're getting along by humble means. But we must also notice or realize that while, um, you know, these are the aspects, meekness, you know the saying, right? Meekness is not weakness. You, got, you want to say it? Landon says, you know, like some rap. No? There it is. Okay. If I tried to do that, it would have been terrible. <laughs> and that's true, right? Um, what do we see in Scripture? There's a humbleness. There's a gentleness. There's a, a willingness to be maligned and wronged, slandered. But in a sense, our mindset, our disposition is, who cares what happens to us But when it comes to God being maligned, when it comes to him being blasphemed, when it comes to his law being pushed aside, then there's an aspect in which righteous anger and indignation arise. And where do we see this in Scripture? Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, and he says, it's to be called a house of prayer not a dinner robbers. And you can see that when the house in which he was to be worshipped was being used incorrectly and sinfully, you see a righteous anger rise up. How about Paul with the Galatians? What is the language he uses with them? Yeah, I wish that they would emasculate themselves. Think of that. And so in this case, it's not even necessarily um, God being maligned so much as obviously his people... And souls being at stake and you see that righteous anger and indig- indignation rise up. Mm. Mm. That's right. Yeah, to like lead them astray, right? Yeah, but the problem is, is we have to decide, like, really examine ourselves and see, was there an appropriateness to it? Because I know for me, like, I'll be like, I'm more upset that probably, like, I was offended or something was said against than rather even it being against God, right? (laughs) Like, so we really have to look at that because, as you see, it's not just these two, although these are primary. This is a true disposition of who we are now that Christ is in us. This is how we walk. Mm. Doesn't mean he doesn't ever get angry. That's right. He's very slow to get there, but so his normal disposition is like I'm restraining myself, but at some point That's it. My line gets crossed. That's right. That's right. So I just don't think like we can't like you can't ever address the neighbor's who by the side. No, you can. But you, but how should you go to them? How should you do Because 'Cause I'm thinking that's right. Because even if I go to them, like I, I we are actually talking I could still go to them. But I should still be going to them. Recognizing that if it wasn 't my neighborhood i 'm probably potentially doing that like in another neighborhood, right, so like understanding um, that we too can fall even with that that 's right, so it 's all of these components I think that ultimately comprise meekness question, so yeah. how, how how do you deal with it? Yeah, I mean. Well, I would say that um we would look to Christ ultimately. He was a a prime example of being meek. Um, There were many that were proud around him, right? And there was still a gentleness and a graciousness. Even showing them, even some of the parables he told, like the Pharisees knew he was telling those parables like about them, like it pertained to them. So there was, there's a meekness in this life, right? That Christ showed forth. But obviously we know that ultimately at the end of the day, like they're going to have to answer for that, that pride and arrogance but with us it's not for us to ever take vengeance we see that in scripture we're not to avenge ourselves ever the only distinction i would make is obviously if somebody is coming like and they're literally trying to take your your life you can defend yourself but if they're saying bad things about you they're being arrogant against you or whatever the case may be like what does that ultimately matter at the end of the day Yeah, that, yeah. Like you go to them and they're not repentant. Obviously, you get others involved and then eventually the elders potentially. So let's go ahead and turn. This was referenced earlier. Let's turn to Numbers 12.3. I'm going to have to move through some of this now. Um, Numbers 12.3. And I want to start here because this is where, as was referenced earlier, I think, Greg, was it you that said that? Yeah. Do you want to read 12, 1 through 3? 12, through 3. Yeah. Afterward, and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the woman of Ethiopia who had married, for he had married a woman of Ethiopia. And they said, What? Has the Lord spoken to only Moses? And he has not spoken also to us? And the Lord heard this. But Moses was very meek. Yeah, so what we see here, it's interesting, it's this parenthetical statement that is there that all of a sudden identifies Moses as the most meek on the face of the earth at that time. And um, was it always this way with Moses? No. Huh? Well, the rock, but also, what about... That's right. Well before, right, he said, okay, I'm going to deliver. They're going to see. He's thrusting himself forward. He's, he's putting himself forward to say, look, they're going to notice that I'm going to be able to deliver them, right? He was 40 years old at that point. Then he goes off, flees, right? Forty years later then is when the Lord calls him. And how does his response then Yeah, he basically said, like, who am I to go? You see a difference, right? Before he's putting himself forward, now he's saying, who am I? And I don't think it was just a fear of um, going before Pharaoh and so forth. I think he truly had a changed disposition, saying, who am I to do this? About About himself, (laughs) right? (laughs) Thankfully inspired by the Spirit, right? That's right. (laughs) But notice specifically in this verse what has happened. Miriam and Aaron have questioned Moses' status as a leader. And what's interesting here is there's not an account given of Moses defending himself. There's not an account given of them saying, okay, Lord, like call them to account, right? Right? But what we see is that the Lord heard and immediately dealt with them. Said like, you guys come into the tent of meeting, Like we need to discuss this. Think about that. Moses, how would you respond, right, if you're being challenged and you're kind of being called out? We're so quick to want to be like, no, and like defend ourselves and make sure people understand that we're in the right or this is where we should be. Moses doesn't even do that. He lets the Lord deal with it. The Lord take vengeance, as you said, leprosy and so forth, Right? Like there was a judgment as a result of that. Next, let's turn to um, 2 Samuel 16 with David. We won't read this passage more for time and, and, and so forth, but the general idea is this. David is being cursed by uh, Shimei Um and not only curse, but imagine like he's being cursed saying, You man of bloodshed, and so forth, and he's having stones thrown at him. And this is taking place, and Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, said to the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over now and cut off his head. So he wants to bring immediate, like, deliverance, right? He wants to go avenge this perceived wrong that is taking place. But what is David's response? He says no, right? And he says this, "Um, what have I to, to do with you, O sons of Zeruiah? If he curses, and if the Lord has told him, curse David, then who shall say, why have you done so? Think about that. Cursing him, throwing stones, and David says, okay, the Lord's told him to do it. Who am I to right? That is a submission to what the Lord has and not avenging yourself. This mighty man went to say, let me just go. I'm just, I'll walk over there. I'll just take his head off. Like, we'll be done with this. And, and David says, no, he didn't act to defend himself, but he trusted himself to the Lord. We have far less things done to us. And do we entrust ourselves to the Lord or do we defend ourselves? And then obviously let 's look at Christ. Christ said in matthew eleven twenty nine take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls and in addition to this, we see Paul even pointing the Corinthians to this same example in verse or chapter or second Corinthians chapter ten verse one, where he says paul says now I, Paul, myself, urge you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. I who am meek when face to face with you, but bold towards you when absent. So there's this example we have, obviously, in Christ of what meekness truly is. So let's consider these things. How was Christ meek? What do we see from his life? Yeah, imagine this. He's being... That's right. Think of that. He's being punched in the face, having his beard ripped out, having a crown of thorns, not merely placed on his head, but shoved into his head, right? Mocking him. And you're right. Peter even tells us, right? There's this example that was set for us who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats. Think about that. But he, who did, what did he do? He kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. Even in that moment, not avenging himself, knowing there was a day in which vengeance would come. How about before Pilate? Go ahead. That's right. And the only things he said was, my kingdom's not of this world. You'd have no power unless it was granted to you. And, it is, and he says, it is as you say. None of them, that's right, nothing in defense of himself. Even in that moment. That's phenomenal. Would we not be like, no, 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 no. Him, not me, right? Like, Because think about this. Everything, we just read that no sin, he committed no sin. So that means any accusation, any slander, any of it was always false as it pertained to Christ. And he did not defend himself. So let's look at how this then practically plays out for us day to day. How is it that this should work itself out in our daily life? And I think there's a twofold manner in which this works itself out. I think that there's a way in which meekness is in relation to God and a way in which meekness is in relation to man. You guys got the flower down? You guys good? That clock is a little fast, by the way, so I'm happy about that. So it's uh, in relation to God. How does meekness play itself out in relation to God? What would you guys think? Michelle mentioned it earlier. That's right. A submissiveness, a humble, content submission to his will. So I'll just say submission. And it goes like this, right? We encounter, we know, James even tells us, that when you encounter trials, to consider it all joy, but do we grumble and contend with God? Or is there a meek disposition about us that we submit to whatever he has? We all know the verse in Romans 8, right? Verse 28. For all things work together for good to those who are called according to... Do we believe that or do we just quote it? That's what it ultimately comes down to. Do we truly believe that whatever he brings is for our good and for his glory? And therefore we submit to it. Humbly, contentedly. Whether it's pros- prosperity or humble means, we submit to it. The mm. you mm. That's right, and I'm thinking like, in this this mindset is like. You know, like the hymn, "Whatever my God ordains is right." Yep. First Peter four nineteen says, "Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will trust their souls to a faithful Creator while doing good." Hmm. Yeah, that's good. I have one more way, and it relates to our receptiveness to His Word. Um. Um, I guess I'll say acceptance of his word uh, James 121 says this if you guys want to turn there you can it says therefore putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness in humility receive the word implanted which is able to save your souls so the key here is this humility or meekness right? Um, I like the rendering of meekness because this action here of receiving the word is not as it relates to many conversations, not as it relates to like our initial salvation of coming to Christ, but it's a, it's a reception of the word to let it have its sway in our lives. It's, we're willing to be corrected by the word where needed and that's even what James is talking about here as far as being slow to speak, slow to anger, get, putting off all filthiness. It's let the word of God truly direct your lives. Be submissive to the word of God. Your pet doctrines go by the wayside when you see that scripture teaches otherwise. And how about now in relation to man? If you want, let's go ahead and turn over to Ephesians uh, 4 and then verses 1 through 3. Somebody want to read verses 4, 1 through 3? Jared, you got that? Yeah. Therefore, I, a the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called do we see meekness here? The word meek isn't used that's right if it's it's here and it's here and it's here all in this one verse so what As I was looking through this, right, looking at this, I'm saying, this is describing ultimately a meek disposition. Look at what it mentions. Humility and gentleness and patience, showing tolerance for one another, right? And so as I thought through this, you want peace in the church? You want unity in the body? Then let's be brothers and sisters who are meek. Carry about us a meek disposition by God's grace. Because think about it, the way that this realistically plays out is that when we're wronged and we have a willingness to be wronged, we're thinking, they didn't mean it that way. Oh, they didn't look at me that day, or they didn't say hi to me that day. They didn't acknowledge me, or they didn't ask how I was doing. That's not our mindset if we're being meek. If we're being meek, it's, 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 a, it's a humble, gentle, patient, forgiving, forgiving, contented attitude towards each other in the church to where if that is our disposition how will there not be unity so often we can be so easily like set upon because somebody looked at us the wrong way didn't say hi to us um whatever and it's like look at what Christ was going through right on like prior to the cross on the cross being mocked even there Oh, if you're the son of God, come down. He could have done it like that. But he submitted himself to his father's will. Yet when we don't get the acknowledgement we want or the, the, the praise that we want or, or something happens in the body, we all know these instances. It's That's it, I'm not talking to him or I'm going to you know, deal with him later. Whatever the case may be, you're going to make sure your mind's known. That's not how it should be. And so quickly here in the last five minutes, um, the blessing, the blessing is that they shall inherit the earth. The previous Beatitudes, I've said that there's this already not yet component, right? Is there an already not yet component to inheriting the earth? (laughs) Chris? Yeah. We know there's a not yet aspect, right? I guess that's half of it's done. Is there an already aspect to it? Yes. In what way? That's right. And there's the other verse, right? That says like all things are ours, right? We We are Paul, Apollos, right? All this stuff. And we are Christ and Christ is God's, right? So there's an aspect in which all those things are ours. Yeah, so that's going to be the 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 future aspect that that future consummation in which there is the new heavens and the new earth in which meekness reigns, right? But think about now. This is not a new be. This is not a new idea. If you actually look at Psalm thirty seven eleven, it says, "But the humble will inherit the land." This idea of humility. Again, other versions say, "The meek shall inherit the land." This is almost like a a word for word repetition to this. Uh, verse in psalm 37 it says and will delight themselves in abundant prosperity so what i think what we see here is that yes in christ we have all things even now but i think also we have supreme enjoyment in this life that if our disposition is meek we're not easily set upon we're not easily riled up right we're at peace with all men so much as it depends on us do to us what you may right? And we can truly, in this life, enjoy God's creation, enjoy this earth, um, and this aspect of abundant prosperity, or other versions say abundant peace, we truly have, in a sense, peace in this life. Peace in this life, peace with God, peace with man, doesn't mean we're not persecuted, right? Doesn't mean there's not difficulties, but as it relates to us, we're at, we're, we're at peace, And we can truly enjoy Him in this life. Imagine the picture of the world. What is the world doing? Are they at peace? They're trying to to grab and strive and go after and climb and get, and they never reach it. They're never satisfied. They're never at peace. It's never enough. But with us and a meek disposition, by God's grace, we're good. As far as husband, wife, and so forth, right Oh hand yeah, hand yeah. The so that your think that's, that's right, yeah, yeah, I think that there's a there's a way in which this is definitely already not yet, so with that, I guess we can go ahead and uh, go to worship.